Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. What's up, lads and ladies? It is Tuesday, the 14th of December, 2021. I'm BR. I fucking can't stand feds. In fact, I hate them. And <laughs> this is the BR Hates Fed Show. I'm not sure if I've opened the show like that before. Fuck it, we'll roll with it. So today, we will be discussing tobacco being outlawed in New Zealand. Apparently, they're trying prohibition again. Lord Miles, the guy that went to Afghanistan, and his... South Sudan charity mission, and also Julian Assange. The United States won their appeal to, to extradite Julian Assange from the United Kingdom to the US, where he faces 175 years. So the, the criminal charges he faces include breaking a spying law and conspiring to hack government computers. We will get into all of that, and then I have some questions from you lovely people. But first off, I had a fucking awesome weekend. I, I've been so fucking stressed out and so exhausted, and uh, my girlfriend was out of town, so I was like, well, fuck, this weekend is going to be dull as shit. I'm not the kind of guy who, you know, my girlfriend's out of town, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I can sit in front of the TV all weekend, or whatever the fuck. Like, you know, I, I'm a healthy human being, and my, my lady is my best friend, you know? So, when she's out of town, I'm like, well, fuck, what am I going to do now? <laughs> um... So, I, uh, I went out shooting, out in the desert, which, um, that is my, my great love of the Southwest, is just being able to go out to the middle of nowhere, and just blast away to your heart's content, and what I really love about public land is the ability to, you know, it's, a, it's literally a sandbox. I can do whatever the fuck I need to out there, so, any kind of training, you know, you can you can figure out a way to do it and if you find a a good spot out in the desert you can you know you could do crazy training out there there's so much potential again literally a sandbox anything you need to figure out test whatever there's a way to do it <laughs> and um that's so fucking cool so i was uh i wasn't doing anything too crazy i was just um I built a, a nice VTAC uh, barricade, nine-hole shooting barricade, you know, the little ones with the, the steps and the weird, awkward holes in it that you see all over Instagram. So I built one of those, and uh, I took two guys who are a little bit newer to shooting, like, you know, they've, they've been shooting a fair bit, but they don't really, they're not big practitioners of, you know, acquiring new skills or anything. And, uh, you know, that's cool, or whatever, but, um, 
I wanted to show him a little bit of barricade tune, so took that out with us. Um, had a whole lot of fun. My my friend is more of a gun collector than I am. I'm more utilitarian, and you know, every single one's a tool of a job. But he has uh, he has some fun guns. So shooting like a Garand and a uh, Nolly Enfield. Well, no, what was it? As a Mauser. Anyway, it was a Yugoslavian Mauser. So it was a a, a Mauser that wasn't evil. <laughs> um, and also, uh, there, there'll be someone who wants to say some autistic comment about that. Um, and he also had like a carry handle M16 style AR. So had a little bit of fun um, out doing that. And gah, the desert in the winter is my favorite fucking thing. Like I was out there wearing my my new Arctis C two two two. Two twenty-two. I don't know what the how however the fuck you say that. Um, Ranger pants and uh, got them in British DPM, and I was like, ah, it's kind of cringe. I'm wearing cadet camo, but ah, uh, it's kind of nice to see it again, you know. <laughs> and uh, something different from M81 and multicam and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I had a fucking good time. I was testing out a bunch of new gear. I got a bunch of new stuff from AWS. Uh, Advanced War Fighting Solutions, the sponsor of Art and War, or the Art and War podcast with uh, with Mitch and Nathan. So, um, they sent me along a belt to mess around with, along with a uh, what was it, low vis blowout medical pouch, and then um, Mitch had been singing the praises of their dump pouch, so I I ordered one of those in addition to what they were giving me for free, and. Uh, yeah, put together a new pistol belt, um, just had a lot of fun messing around with, with new stuff, and I haven't had too much opportunity to, to shoot like I did that day in a, in a long time with the fucking ammo shortage, so, uh, it was kind of just, like, bumping all the, the dust and rust off, you know, it, it wasn't any hardcore reps, it was more just fucking around, but, like, kind of getting back into stuff, so, yeah, felt good. Felt really good, and uh, got some pictures, so that's another thing. Um, I've never really done, and I just really, only just recently realized this, I was like, I never do a photography on Instagram, which is strange, considering I do a fuck ton of photography, you know, in my personal life, and as part of my job, so I was like, why don't I do photography as part of my, you know, BR pages, so... And I, I never I never show shooting beyond, like, you know, the very rare picture of a gun or picture of some gear or something. So, yeah, time to change that. I think, uh, I really do think it's important to have this blend of ideology and, um, you know, the shooting community. And I'm not, I'm not trying to jam, you know, anarchism down, down anyone's throat, but I do think it's important to kind of show a mix of, you know, theory and all that kind of thing, and and philosophy does have its place, I think it's a very important part of, of people's everyday lives, honestly, like, I, I think without our guiding principles, you know, we're just fucking drones in the machine, so uh, I think it's cool to kind of normalize talking about that, and also normalize that rifleman culture, so I'm uh, going to be doing a lot more of both of those um, and, yeah, it's kind of exciting, because I've always, 
Nah, I was gonna say I've always thought about doing that, but honestly, I haven't. I just, I enjoy having, you know, nice gear, I enjoy shooting, I enjoy small unit tactics, I enjoy all that kind of thing. But, for some reason, I've never thought about being, like, you know, a gun Instagram kind of person before. And I was like, why the fuck not? I understand this platform, and I literally, you know, I'm like a gun right centric anarchist. Why am I not showing me doing some fucking shooting? So, <laughs> about time to fix that. And uh, I'm honestly really excited to get into it. My my first little batch of photos, uh, very kind of ragtag, um, and definitely need a lot more work. I for one, I need to get like a uh, like a remote um, shutter clicker thing just so I can take pictures of myself if I'm out fucking around in the wastes but anyway um the whole shooting thing uh after we you know had our day of shooting my uh my mates they go off home and I was like oh yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna stay out here for a little bit longer I stayed out there for two more hours on my own ladies and gentlemen I uh (laughs) it was so fucking nice and don't get me wrong love my mates but just being out there in the desert, I'm in, you know, trousers and a, you know, a shirt and a hoodie in the desert, sitting on the top of my truck, but it's December, so while some of you are shivering your, your asses off and uh, and all that good stuff, sho- shoveling your drives, and, and unfortunately some of you are fucking picking up rubble, Kentucky and all that with the tornadoes. Hope hope everyone out there's alright on that note. Yeah, yikes. But I was uh yeah, I was just fucking vibing. I uh you know, hit my pen a few times, just having a little smoke, just enjoying the desert because when you're out there during the summer or you know, I little bit either side of the summer, um <laughs> you're out there, you're sweating balls, wearing barely anything, and going outside is kind of something you you do in short bursts, and not without shade, and not without a lot of preparation, but in December, I was just sitting there, taking in the sun, admiring, you know, the, uh, Segura cactus, and the, the beautiful hills, and that, that's another thing, so many people in this country, they look at the desert, and they're like, ah, oh, gross, you know, it's just wasteland, but, and it's not just the desert, but when I see these big expanses of land in this country, that is so unfamiliar to me growing up in rural England. And, uh, you know, growing up, I, I always enjoyed hiking and, and uh, you know, walks and exploring and woodland and shooting, of course. But in England, everything's fucking divided up into fields and, you know, like, public footpaths, which are all sign... Like, you know, they have good signage and they're all mowed for the most part. And it's just so fucking sterilized. And out here, um, and this is something in Wyoming I especially love, there was a sign that said something like, uh, climb rocks at own risk, uh, it, it mentioned something about people, like, cracking their heads, you know, killing them, dying, climbing rock formations, like, do so at your own risk, I was like, good, it, it doesn't say, stay off rock formations, it says, do so at own risk, and I was like, yeah, correct, <laughs> I will do so at my own risk, and, um, I don't know, there's something about this country, it's so open, and, you know, there's some places are tighter than others, but you can go out to public land, I, I, I hesitate to say government land, I mean, it's not like they can police it very effectively, uh, so, 
God, some of the shit I hear when I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I love it. There's just like random booms in the distance, which, you know, maybe it's Tannerite. Maybe someone's playing around with some uh, some other materials. I don't know. Uh, I hear fuck tons of machine guns. I'm like, fuck, I love this country. I just hear like a, and oh my god, I hear like 50s going off. <laughs> like a mountain or two away. Oh, it, it's so, it, it fuels me. It really fucking does just being in this kind of environment. Um, and maybe that just makes me sound like a psycho gun nut to, to the people who, who don't get it. But um, after growing up in England, it's such a different feeling. It you, it, So many of you grew up this way, and, you know, I, I hope you, I truly hope you appreciate it. And, uh, and that you hold on to it and make sure your kids can do the same thing. Because it's, it's otherworldly. To people who didn't have that, you know, that ability from birth to uh, to live this way, and I, it sounds like I'm overstating it, but but truly, this is an untamed country, and it needs to remain that way. And I'm sure as fuck doing my part, <laughs> and I hope as many of you listening, and otherwise are doing so too. But yeah, good times. I just sat there on top of my truck, and I was just like. Just a nice gentle breeze, perfect temperature, fucking peak comfort, just having to hit my, my pen whenever I needed it, and I was just like, you know what, it's like hour and a half to, to get home at least, and you know what, I'm in no rush, I got nothing to do today, not not really, you know, there's, there's always stuff I could be doing, and that's something I need to kind of, you know, knock myself on the head for, because there's always something I could be doing, but you know what? Sometimes I need to fucking recharge so I can do those things well and as good as, you know, I, I wish to. So, yeah, it was much needed. I I could have stayed out there all night, honestly. I, I only stayed there until, like, two in the afternoon, but, man, I I really could have stayed out there for a long fucking time. I... I think I'm going to go camping in the desert at some point in the future. I don't know. Have a vision quest. Fight some fight some chupacabras and wendigos or whatever. Wendigos? I have no idea how you say that. That's like a... some Someone's laughing at one of those pronunciations or both. But anyway, we'll, we'll go find some fucking skinwalkers. And uh, and play play Tickle or some shit. <laughs> play some gay chicken with, with the, uh, the skinwalkers. Um... But yeah, that was, thought I'd share that with you guys, it was, it's important to, to have those moments, whatever that is for you. For me, it's shooting, because honestly, it's, it's one of my greatest loves. It's, uh, it's getting out there, getting the fuck away from everything, and practicing my marksmanship, which, I don't know, it's, it's something, it means so much to me. It's such a skill, like, I, I cherish, not in like a, like a hyper-serious, you know, one-shot, one-kill kind of lunatic kind of way but it's just I don't know it's it gives me great pride to to kind of be honing something that you know could could be used in defense of my life and others it's uh and I think I was raised on Robin Hood too much I uh I watched the shit out of every form of Robin Hood as a kid and marksmanship was just the coolest goddamn thing to me <laughs> ballistic problem solving um I don't know. 
I got my wires crossed a little bit different to to most limeys. But anyway, speaking of limeys, uh, in a different Commonwealth shithole, I, I don't want to talk about New Zealand quite, quite like that. New Zealand is a gorgeous fucking country. I've, I've been twice, North and South Isle. It's like Alaska if it was condensed to an island, but with rainforests. It's and then with a with a completely different ecosystem of its own. Truly, like a magnificent country, but unfortunately, it's run by tyrannical cunts, much like the rest of the world. And this, what's her name, Jacinda or some shit? She is a particularly nasty cunt. And uh, some of you will remember the how quick the gun bans came in New Zealand after the mosque shooting uh, a couple of years ago now. And she has shown absolutely zero sign of slowing down on the tyrannical bullshit. I mean, for one, New Zealand is pretty fucking close behind Australia in terms of how tyrannical they are, especially for, for the population of the country. It's got a very small population of people. And there's more sheep in the country than, than human beings. And, uh, and, and the populace is very spread out and very isolated, and yet they have, they've had some, a pretty rough go of, uh, of COVID and COVID tyranny. Shocker, you know, uh, you disarm the populace and then fuck it, do what you want, you know, what the fuck are they going to do? Um, I remember a few years ago, there was, uh, like a guy on Instagram called like NZNCAP, and he was a he was a follower of mine and the e militia, and he was he used to build guns PA Looty style even before three D printing had like really been proliferated. He was building them out like scrap metal and shit. But what a fucking warrior, honestly. So I I hope he's doing all right. I don't know if he's working under a different name these days or if he's just you know not back on Instagram or or what the deal is, but. If he's out there, you know, props to him. Hope he's safe. Hope he hasn't been chucked in a fucking cell. But, uh, you know, there, there are, there's always holdouts in these countries. There's, there's always, you know, people fighting for that, those basic human rights. And speaking of basic human rights, you have the right to smoke a pack a day if you want to. <laughs> so, um, the newest fucking bit of nonsense in New Zealand is tobacco is being outlawed. Um, I, personally, I fucking hate tobacco. I, if someone lights up a cigarette around me, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I fucking don't care for it. And I'm, I'm a pothead. Uh, I, I enjoy my vices, and, you know, if you want to smoke, fucking smoke. But, I don't care for it. I'm no fucking advocate of smoking. I think it's a filthy fucking habit, as my, my old, uh, staff sergeant used to fucking say. Filthy fucking habit. If you want to take a smoke break, you'd be like, ah, fucking dare you, cunt. But, um, but anyway, so they're gonna outlaw tobacco in New Zealand, and this isn't gonna be some sweeping overnight ban. What they're gonna do is they're going to steadily increase the, uh, smoking age, like the age you're allowed to start smoking. New Zealand, to, so here's the headline from USA Today. New Zealand to end smoking with a lifetime ban on cigarettes for youth. New Zealand's government believes it has come up with a unique plan to end tobacco smoking. A lifetime ban for those aged 14 or younger. Alright, you know, 14 year olds and younger shouldn't smoke 
tobacco. I'm sure it has all sorts of harmful developmental shit going on. But uh, but what exactly do they mean by that? Do they just mean, you know, if you, second you turn 15 you can smoke? Of course not. What they actually mean is that those who are 14 or under will never legally be able to buy a pack of cigarettes or any other tobacco product. <laughs> That's their legitimate plan. If you are 14 or younger in New Zealand, you will never be able to buy cigarettes. They're going to keep on... You know, the age will just always be out of reach for them. <laughs> um, under a new law the government announced Thursday and plans to pass next year, the minimum age to buy cigarettes would keep rising year after year. That means, in theory, at least, 65 years after the law takes effect, shoppers could still buy cigarettes, but only if they could prove they were at least 80 years old. <laughs> you imagine being fucking 60 and wanting a pack of smokes, and I, what, what's that, what's that gonna be? So, uh, quick maths. So, that'll be 2087 by my public school maths education. So, 2087, if you are under 80 years old, a fucking grown-ass adult, so 79 or younger, you will not be able to walk into a shop and buy cigarettes. Plus, I mean, I seriously doubt this will last. Prohibitions don't work. That's just a simple fact. Anyway, the article continues. In practice, officials hope smoking will, will fade away decades before then. Indeed, the plan sets a goal of having fewer than 5% of New Zealanders smoking by 2025. Other parts of the plan include allowing only the sale of tobacco products with very low nicotine levels and slashing the number of stores that can sell them. The changes would be brought in over time to help the retailers adjust. Because the current minimum age to buy cigarettes in New Zealand is 18, the lifetime smoking ban for youth wouldn't have an impact for a few years. In an interview with the Associated Press, New Zealand's Associate Health Minister, Dr. Aisha Varal, who I'm sure is full of factual information in the COVID era, who is spearheading the plan, said her work at a public hospital in Wellington involved telling several smokers they had developed cancer. You meet every day someone facing the misery caused by tobacco, Varal said. The most horrible ways people die, being short of breath, caused by tobacco. So, in comes the hero that is the nanny state to stop these people putting cancer in themselves. It's just not your fucking job. You know, like... But they they will never, ever, ever fucking consider anything that impacts the disgusting junk food that people shovel into their mouth for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Not that they should, but can you imagine if the New Zealand government said, we are banning all fatty foods, only clean meats, um, you know, good vegetables, all that kind of thing. That's the only thing allowed anymore. You, you're done. You can't be fat anymore. It, we're outlawing it, and we are going to gradually phase out junk food. So if you're under 80 years old in the year 2087, and you want to go get yourself a fucking Happy Meal, fuck you. <laughs> like, that would never fly. It would be discriminatory. But uh, I guess you don't have a right to have black lungs. That's uh, pretty fucking disgusting, New Zealand. But, um, anyway... 
Smoking rates have steadily fallen in New Zealand for years, with only about 11% of adults now smoking and 9% smoking every day. The daily rate among indigenous Māori remains much higher at 22%. There's the fucking rub. Hey, guess who this law is going to mostly impact? Minorities. Wow, what a fucking shocker. That pro uh, prohibition would mostly impact a minority group. That never happens. Never, never, never. Under the government's plan, a task force would be created to help reduce smoking among Māori. They're going to be like, uh, yeah, this, that's uh, very interesting, mate, but uh, fuck off. I want my ciggies because life sucks under this fucking fascist regime. Um, big tax increases have already been imposed on cigarettes in recent years, and some question why they aren't hiked even higher. We don't think tax increases will have any further impact, for all said. It's really hard to quit, and we feel if we did that, we'd be punishing those people who are addicted to cigarettes even more. So you're admitting you are punishing them right now. Even more. That's blatant. We are punishing them right now with taxes. And she said the tax measures tend to place a higher burden on lower-income people who are more likely to smoke. Hmm... It's almost like you understand what you're doing and are muscling ahead with it anyway. A bunch of fuck asses. Um, the new law wouldn't impact vaping. Burrell said that tobacco smoking is far more harmful and remains a leading cause of preventable, uh, preventable deaths in New Zealand, killing up to 5,000 people each year. We think vaping's a really appropriate quit tool. Ah, oh, Christ, and then they just go on about that shit. But... Um, anyway, here's, here's where it wraps up a little bit. Uh, Varel said she didn't believe the government was overreaching because statistics showed the vast majority of smokers wanted to quit anyway, and the new policies would only help them achieve their goal. So, yeah, fuck it. Self-determination doesn't exist in a nanny state. The government just decides, oh, well, the mob wants this, the, you know, the 51% wants this, so I guess the, the other 49%, you know, they'll just have to fall in. Um, yeah, fucking silly. Again, smoking is fucking disgusting. But, <laughs> nanny states and policing things that you have no fucking business policing, who's that going to help? Or how, this is going to increase police interactions, which, you know, have a much higher chance of being deadly than civilian-civilian uh, interactions, and you're also going to be locking people up, you're going to be finding people. It's... It's fucking odd. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, New York, we had a guy choked out by NYPD for selling loose cigarettes, so how long is it going to take before the first death happens at the hands of police trying to save lives, just as they have been during, allegedly during these, these COVID lockdowns, you know, cracking skulls of protesters and stuff, um, and apparently they're doing that to save lives. So, the fucking rationale is all messed up, as it is in any of these authoritarian regimes. And, I mean, we can't be surprised. These are, these are Commonwealth countries who've been given, given self-determination after being born from, you know, the, the British Empire. What do they do? They just carry on with the, you know, everything's a fucking nail when you're a hammer solution uh so yeah 
great stuff out in New Zealand. Uh, happy to hear they are well on the way to becoming Australia 2.0. Um, in lighter news, Lord Miles, the guy that went to Afghanistan during the fall of Kabul and the Taliban takeover, has now ventured to South Sudan on a charity mission. So, this guy is... He's hes a funny lad. I really, honestly, respect the fuck out of him. He's, um... He's like a young guy, I guess, like, very early 20s. Um... And, uh... He's just having a... He's having a fucking ball. He, uh... He survived Afghanistan. And, uh... He's decided to just keep on being an adventurer. And you know what? I fucking love that. I... Like, when I saw that, when I saw he had ventured to Afghanistan, I was like, that could have been fucking me. That's kind of, if I, if I was single right now, and things weren't so fucked up, I would be putting every cent I could towards traveling and visiting risky places. Perhaps not Afghanistan. <laughs> um, I, I do want to see Afghanistan before I die. I hope I can, because uh, it's a beautiful country, the mountains are insane, and it looks, you know, gorgeous, despite the, the chaos it's been put over, put through, being the, the graveyard of empires and that, so I can understand why, you know, he, he's a Brit, he, um, he's got, he's got it in him to just go to foreign lands, because England sucks ass, and, uh, and seek out some adventure, I'd love to dot about South America, and, you know, like, before I have kids, I want to do some traveling that's a little bit more dangerous, like, I, uh, Egypt was probably the, probably the diciest place I've been so far, and what a fucking time. It's, it's traveling as it should be, because you're not just in these sanitized resorts or hotels like you are in most countries, you know, the kind of conventional, uh, westerner holiday, you just go and admire a different part of the world's natural beauty, and at the resort, you have the sterilized, westernized version of local cuisine, and, you know, the the local staff say a few words here and there, and you're like, oh, look at me, how cultured I am, and, and that's your lot. No, 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 you need to be getting out in markets, you need to be haggling, you need to be riding with dodgy taxi drivers, you know, you need to be, uh, so in Egypt, some of the fucking, here's, here's a fun fact, if you're ever in Egypt, if you're exploring tombs, like in the Valley of the Kings, or, um, even, even the pyramid, the Great Pyramids of Giza in Cairo, uh, you, you can bribe the, some of the workers, and you can kind of go off the beaten path a little bit, like, down in the, the crypts in the Valley of the Kings, um, if you tip the guys, they'll literally just look the other way and let you, <laughs> and, and not like, you know, not like walking through really, uh, delicate parts of the place, but I got to go in, like, this big kind of, uh, sarcophagus box thing, like, the sarcophagus was in this great big box, um, and there was a bunch of carvings on the inside that you couldn't see from, from the outside of it, it was fucking insane. Um, but yeah, just, you don't get those authentic experiences, I mean, you know, the, the tips that you're giving those guys is going a long fucking way, uh, 
so you know no harm done and as long as you're being ultimately respectful to the culture and not doing anything reckless or anything uh you you get a much better experience and so this guy he's uh he's going a step further he's on a charity mission in south sudan and i think he's crossing into kenya at the minute um and he's just using some like charity money donated by his followers because he's got like forty-four thousand followers uh and just trying to do a little bit of good while he explores uh, some of africa and i was like that's that's why i love to see if I wasn't such a lunatic about prepping and putting all my money into that kind of stuff, uh, I'd I'd love to still be traveling, and I hope to to restart that someday. But you know, it's been put on hold since I've been getting established in the U.S. But traveling, true, and I mean, Christ, Christ knows if it's ever going to be possible to travel the way we used to now that COVID tyranny has kind of taken over. But um, I certainly hope to again some point in my life but yeah that's really cool stuff and finally in the news before we get on to q a um so we released our last episode thursday of course like we <laughs> always do wink wink and uh and friday it came out that julian assange founder of wikileaks um exposer of a whole shit ton of U.S. and NATO war crimes, as well as other things, uh, like, like the DNC rigging with Bernie Sanders in 2016. So the U.S. won their appeal to extradite Julian Assange from the U.K. to the U.S., where he faces 175 years on criminal charges, including, like I said earlier, uh, breaking a spying law and conspiring to hack government computers. And this whole thing, if you're familiar with any of this, has been a fucking circus. He's literally just a journalist doing what... he He's a real journalist. You know, he did some investigative stuff, he did some digging, and he found out the truth. But that's not what journalism is meant to be anymore. Journalism is meant to be a carefully curated uh, propaganda message. And when it's not that the state gets upset. They clamp down on that shit. And it's so fucking rare to find someone who would really stick their neck out to tell you what's actually going on on this earth so you can make some, you know, some informed decisions. Like, would you... If you were a thinking man, and, you know, many of us were... I, I either were the dumb kid who considered joining the military... Or was the dumb kid that that joined the military? Um, I wager, like, probably the the vast majority of people listening to this have, have had that thought at some point in their lifetime. And, you know, you think the U.S. is the good guy. You think we're out there spreading freedom and stuff. And you have no idea we're actually the fucking empire. And that if you sign up to join the military, you're signing up to be a stormtrooper. And that, you know, to some people that sounds kind of uh, a little bit hardcore for their tastes. But when you look at the kind of things that WikiLeaks was sharing and just the war crimes that were so casually covered up. Like civilians, civilian deaths and drone strikes that were just, just fucking careless. Like inhuman evil that no one... 
No one gave a fuck about the collateral damage. And so yeah, they they're fucking coming down hard on him. They want him dead. And not only that, they were trying to kill him during the Trump administration. And, you know, it, it's easy enough to go like, oh, Trump, that psycho. But, you know what I always say about the the state kind of washing its hands of its evils with every passing administration? I think Trump, I'm surprised nothing, I mean, maybe it'll come out, some, some really serious shit managed to happen that we haven't heard of yet. But, I mean, that's how this Assange thing came out. We only heard about it during the Biden administration that the intelligence agencies, primarily the CIA, was planning to assassinate Julian Assange while he was in British custody during the Trump administration. What a perfect time to do it. Because Trump was, you know, in terms of kind of how how gonzo he is compared to the normal, um, you know, the, the standard boring old meat puppet presidency, he was so gonzo that the intelligence agencies had, I mean, so much free reign to get away with shit and then just palm it off as, oh, that was, you know, under, under the Trump administration, that is not how the CIA operates, you know, blah, 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 blah. They, they could have pulled that shit off, and they were trying to. And it got, it got nuked for whatever reason. Um, but they wanted to assassinate him. They did not want to extradite him to serve the sentence. So what do you, do you really think he's going to get a fair trial when he gets extradited here? <laughs> like, honestly, it, it fucking sickens me. A journalist, a man who, and honestly, if you're committing war crimes, there is nothing immoral about hacking your systems and stealing that information from you. There's nothing immoral about that. You, you are a fucking bad person. You're the one who deserves to be spied on. If if you're the intelligence agencies, the the like they they always talk about. Oh well, you know it put. Um, it put U.S. operatives at risk. Good. Anything, anyone that was involved with any of the documents that he released, that's fucking fine. That's absolutely fine. But, I, I have no idea how people can be so apathetic about Assange being, you know, sentenced to death, effectively. That's all. That's all a prison sentence is. If and the stress he's been put under, he's been living in the Ecuadorian embassy in London since two thousand and twelve. So that's about to be ten years ago. A fucking decade of being stuck inside and just stressing and just waiting for the inevitable because he's fighting the most powerful empires on the earth. <laughs> And, and all he has is the truth. Which sounds really over-dramatized, but it's, it's the truth. He literally went out there and showed what they were doing. And he very likely will pay for his life. He, uh, he had a stroke while he was in custody after following them coming out and saying that, uh, you know, the U.S. won their appeal and it looks like he's going to be extradited. He had a fucking stroke in prison. And... His, I, I feel for the dude, his, his mental state 
cannot be good. I mean, Christ, the average person's mental state right now is not good. Just, you know, running in the hamster wheel, but ultimately having whatever counts as free reign these days. But imagine being boxed up with the US government and the British government coming at you as hard as they fucking can, and <laughs> and you've got them dead to rights on some pretty bad shit, and, and you're a criminal in their eyes, and they can, they can drag you down the fucking street, and the masses will look at you and be like, yeah, no, you know, that's fine. It's terrifying. I, I hope by some miracle he manages to be a free man someday. But, like, Amnesty International's fighting for him. There's all sorts of human rights groups trying to, you know, free Assange and all that. But, I, I like to be an optimist, but I also like to be a realist. And, unfortunately, I think he's too high profile. I think he's truly fucked. And, that's sickening. That's my worst nightmare for for anyone. You know, not, not just me selfishly. That's That's my worst nightmare to... For that to be a thing that exists in this world. <sighs> but really, really sad stuff. And uh I hope it I hope it gets better, but I don't know. I think they're gonna I think they're really gonna clamp down on him. Anyway, I think I'm gonna light up this roach and we shall get into some questions, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna have like three hits of this, but you know, whatever. Almost like my fucking eyebrows and beard on fire too. <laughs> Alright. Any new rifle or pistol upgrades made? One of your early episodes you had talked about your Glock. Yeah, I did. I, you see, that's another thing. I used to talk about... I was trying to have like a nice balance of like... Of news, gun stuff, punk rock, anarchism, all that kind of thing. But, um, so, have I made any changes? I'm not, I'm not sure if I've made any changes since, but I'm about to. So, my Glock at the minute, Glock 19, I have a hollow sun on it, uh, which, you know, people say they're shit. Um, of course, it, it could be a Trigicon, you know, could be, um, a Leopold or, or something else. Uh, it's what I've got at the minute, personally. I like it. I'm really enjoying the ACS, ACSS and the uh, the outer circle the Vulcan has, I guess. God damn it, went out on me. Fuck. Um, I'll have to relight that in a second. But, yeah, I, I like the hollow sun on it. Uh, I'll, I'll replace it when I bust it. You know, that was kind of always the intention because I, I didn't even know if I would like red dots. Uh, buying this was kind of like a, it was like an investment and in, in curiosity, you know, and uh, and like I was uh, like I was talking about way back when, I because I didn't grow up with pistols, I had to get my fundamentals solid enough to be comfortable with irons before I ever treated myself to a red dot for one. So I got proficient enough that I was like, okay, cool, I think I'm gonna invest in a red dot, and playing around with that. I fucking love pistol red dots. I see why they're blowing up. Um, I'd love to get some more experience on a, a wide variety of them so I can 
I can make a more informed choice on my, my second red dot pistol optic, but, um, yeah, I, I don't feel like the hollow sun was a bad purchase, I, I enjoy it, um, if it ends up being relegated to being, like, an offset red dot on something, or, or a red dot on, uh, a sub gun, or, you know, uh, kind of a secondary carry pistol, or, or a safe queen handgun, whatever the fuck it is, yeah, I'm, I'm happy I have it. So, uh, and then I've got a TLR-7, or 7A, or something like that. Like, that was recommended to me, but I've already had one battery issue with it where it was dead, like, within about three months of very low use. Uh, That was a little bit odd, didn't really sit well with me. Um, aside from that, uh, great light so far, um... And then on my AR, there's a fair bit I want to upgrade. So, for one, the backup sight system in the minute, I've just got some uh, basic, like, Mbus uh, Magpul uh, flip-up sights. And you can't flip them up to co-witness because they're under the scope. So, you know, in theory, uh, I could wrench the fucking uh, scope off if it got damaged and then have some iron sights already equipped on the rifle, but it's not quite opportune, you know, like, optic gets smashed, and I, you know, twist my rifle over, and I have either a backup red dot, or canted iron sights. And I've seen a lot of people kind of shit on canted iron sights, now that canted red dots are kind of the bougie move, and I don't know, it's kind of hard to find the difference between kind of firearm industry or firearm community trends and what's kind of the cool thing of the week, the new gimmick, you know, at one point that was micro rigs <laughs> and now it's not. And, and then, um, yeah, so, so I'm wondering, wondering which route to go with that and then which system to have, uh, but I definitely want a better backup site system of some description. Um, I'm still currently running the Primer Arms 1 to 6 LPVO, low power variable optic. And honestly, I still really enjoy it. It's got the ACSS reticle, um, and it's very affordable. So, for my purposes, you know, like, I was never going to be able to. You know, I wasn't going to be. I, I want a Leopold for my rifle, ideally. I'd love a Leopold. Or, you know, like, like a a higher-end low-power variable optic, because I, I still prefer that particular kind of optic system. Um, and then either a... Well, preferably a backup red dot of some description. And... You know, that's going to take some time. But my primary arms, uh, LPVO, it still serves me very well. I treat my stuff like shit. I'm... Every time I go to the range, I'm like, ah, fuck, please don't let this be an expensive day, because... I'm not going to turn down the the amount of abuse, you know, it's just, I just like to play with my shit, <laughs> and eventually I'm going to break some of that stuff, um, we'll just see which, what breaks first, so far, I haven't busted anything particularly of note, which perhaps means I'm not playing hard enough, but we shall see, I think 2022 I'm going to be getting out and playing a lot more with my, my gear, um, the past year has been a a great setback in terms of the amount of time I spend out doing shit, um, just because of ammo, for the most part, 
but that seems to be getting a bit more sensible these days. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. But yeah, so, so the optic I want to upgrade to. Oh, and then the light. I fucking hate my rifle light. Um, I th I'm going to do a post on this soon. A lot of people, you know, they like to show their bougie perfect ARs, which, you know, altogether costs, you know, three to four grand, all said and done with accessories. And it's like, that's not the reality for most of us. You know, like, you have to, obviously, you can have as good a taste as, as you like in gear. It doesn't mean you can afford it all in one. And, uh, you know, th there's reasons why I bought, like, you know, a primary arm scope. I knew it was going to be a while before I could save up, you know, like, 1500 two grand for an optic. Uh, yeah, not happening for a minute. And I'm not going to rock iron sights until then. So, um... The Primer Arms was a very good option for me, and it's performed, it's really, truly out, out, uh, exceeded my expectations. The So the light I use that I fucking despise is uh, my Inforce. And uh, so I, I bought a pistol light, and I bought a rifle light from them, because I didn't know better uh, way back when. And I was like, oh, well, I need a weapon light, and, you know, I don't want to be spending 300 bucks, and all of these units that have wires and shit, my dumb ass was like, oh, that looks complicated. You just <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, what a fucking waste of money. So, I would love to replace my Enforce with a, um, with a Cloud Defensive Rain, I think, is, is the plan. Um, I could trade in my rifle light. Maybe I should, maybe I will, because I, I fucking hate that Enforce, I, I wouldn't even want to put it on a different gun, to be honest, uh, I just fucking don't like them, so, that's, that's the other upgrade, um, aside from that, that's probably all the upgrades I really plan on at the minute for my AR, I think, I think my AR will kind of near its you know, completed stage soon, like, it's a, so it's a arrow upper, and a Franklin Armory lower, has a binary trigger, has a low power variable optic, I, I think for what it is, oh, and then it has a Radian internals, so the bulk carrier group is Radian, and the charging handle is a Radian Raptor, and, uh, so it's kind of an odd build, you know, it's not, like, cheap, it's kind of arguably mid-tier, but the, the accessories let it down a little bit, so once once those have been improved a little bit and they're a little bit more rugged, I think, like like I've said, nothing has broken, broken on me so far, but it's not quite, I'm not quite comfortable with the tier of accessories on my rifle at the minute, like, it's better than, you know, if, if shit hit the fan, it's better than having my little flip-up Magpul sights and, and no light on my gun. But it's not like duty kind of tier. And it's important to make those distinctions. And uh, that, that's some stuff that I want to talk about um, as I get more into gun stuff on the, on the page. But that's where I'm at with, with that stuff. And then I think when that rifle is complete and kind of, you know, once it has all that stuff fixed up on it, That'll probably be my, you know, my go-to rifle for the foreseeable future, and then I'll be able to focus on other builds, like a dedicated 308 long-range build, and uh, maybe some more fun shit, like a 9mm 
AK or something like that. Um, various things like that, but... And, and then the uh, a higher-end AR will come along in the future when I have the disposable income to, to build that other rifle. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that stuff. Someone asks, I'm training to be a sewing machine technician. Would you consider this a tradable skill for shit hits the fan? Um, so, like a sewing machine technician, as in you fix sewing machines, or as in you operate one, because I'd say they're both a similar kind of tier, I mean, if you can repair a sewing machine, presumably you're fairly competent with at least a handful of other, you know, devices and stuff, electronics, um, and then if you can, you know, if you're like a dedicated sewing specialist, I mean, that's useful, especially if you can you know, make clothes from scratch, but the, the, those are definitely tradable skills, for sure, you know, just as, uh, you know, brewing, brewing your own alcohol might be, or making your own bread, or any of those kind of, um, where it's like a good or service kind of thing, those are absolutely, you know, invaluable when it comes to some kind of, you know, bartering, trading situation, especially, you know, when there's no uh, dedicated currency, necessarily. But, I, I, I think you've got, you've got skills like a, you know, someone who's like a doctor, that, that's like, or a mechanic, and then you have things that kind of, the everyman can, can, can fit amongst their, uh, their repertoire of skills, you know, uh, trying to think of a, a good example, like, I don't know, say like an everyday office worker, his hobby is, he's been, you know, picking up how to be a, a helicopter pilot or something like that, and he's been trying to get his license while he's doing the day job, and, uh, or whatever it might be, kind of, um, that's a shit example, being a helicopter pilot would be really fucking useful, I don't know, I, I don't think it's gonna be necessarily a meal ticket, but it, kind of like a side gig level skill, you know, not to diminish the skill or anything, but I don't think, uh, I don't think, unless you're, unless you're part of, like, a very big community, or you had access to a lot of people who needed a lot of sewing done, um, or a lot of sewing machines fixed, depending on quite what a sewing machine technician means, um, I don't think you could quite feed yourself off of just that, but, you know, it would probably help out, for sure, to, to have those skills. Have you or any of the e-militia considered posting the show on Odyssey? This is weird as fuck that you ask, and I'm convinced this is just my agent outing himself, but literally a few hours earlier today, I was, uh, I just remembered Odyssey existed because I saw a tweet from them, and, uh, I was like, oh, maybe we should put the show on here. I don't, I don't really get what Odyssey is, and, um, I'm yet to be convinced if there's enough of an audience there. I mean, it's good just for archive's sake, but... Uh, plus, I like supporting less, you know, censorious platforms. So uh, I'm gonna have to look a little bit more at Odyssey. And for anyone that's curious, it's kind of like a, I guess, a YouTube substitute. Uh, so that's O D Y S E um, Odyssey. So yeah, I'll have to look into that. But I could be sold on it, you know all about supporting people who, who support people trying to 
<laughs> put stuff out there and not be censored. Um, so more of a discussion than a question. The balance of preparing for bad times and living, enjoying the current daily life. So this is why I always say when I talk about a collapse, because I am a prepper and I do think we live in uncertain times. But Jesus Christ, if I live every day like it's not quite like it's my last, but like, you know, like the sky is falling and uh, enjoying myself. And I'll get into that in a second. Um, like enjoying myself is some kind of sin that takes away from from my survivability. Well, then what the fuck's the point of life, you know? And I think a lot of preppers, well, not a lot. I think some preppers can really lose sight of what's important and why they do what they do. Because if you're investing all this time and money, because you're, you know, and, and to do that, you need to have a genuine fear of a bad future. You, you need to, you know, have some something that's going to prompt you to be prepared. Whether it's a minor concern or it's a all-consuming paranoia. And, you know, we see the whole spectrum in our community for sure. So, I've definitely had times where I'm like full paranoid prepper mode i'm like especially like when there was talk of lockdowns at first i was like well what the fuck is that gonna mean is that gonna mean you know uh they keep us penned into the cities like it's fucking resident evil or something uh national guard you know blocking exits to to major cities and such and uh interstate travel is banned and all sorts of crazy shit and we are seeing it you know <laughs> so it, it wasn't unfounded that uh that such a thing could happen I was going fucking nuts. I was buying... I mean, you know, I, I was already doing my best to, to prep. I've always been a prepper. As long as I, you know, have been able to prep in some form. I've always had medical gear stashed away and bullets and all sorts of things like that. Survival gear. But I was going above and beyond with bullets and food and contingency plans and all that kind of thing. Very early on in uh, me and my girlfriend's relationship, so bless her heart for, uh, I mean, she saw sense, she was freaked out too, and whether that was me or just kind of the times, uh, I can never quite gauge it, but, um, you know, as this thing went on, I was like, the sky is falling, but, you know, we st we're still living our lives, and you can't just let yourself be all consumed by that. How, how easy it is to be fearful and to dedicate every waking second you have to, you know, surviving. Because if you're just surviving, you're not really living anyway. And there's absolutely scenarios where you need to be just surviving. But in our, in our current state, do what you can when you can. And when you're, when that's done, you know, when the little bit of disposable income you had and you could safely put aside on prepping stuff or, you know, the hard work, physical work you had to put in to achieve something to get some prepping done. Um, once that's done and you've done all you can at this point in time, let yourself live. Take your significant other on a date. Go con continue dating if you're single, you know, just because it's a fucked up time doesn't mean you need to just forego all of that you know, ordinary, joyful shit, um, 
you know, it, it's okay to have a few hours shooting the shit on Halo with your mates. <laughs> you don't have to spend every waking second training or prepping or bettering yourself. It's awesome to do that as much as you can. But don't just become a slave to to your own fear, you know. Still live your life, spend time with family, go out, see some fucking nature, do recreational shit. Because if you're not living, what what the fuck is the point of anything that we do, you know? If we're these crazy preppers, um, just getting ready for, for the end times and, you know, the shit or whatever, like, what, what the fuck even are we? <laughs> we're not really people at that point, we're just... It was something else, and just possessed, you know? So anyway, before I get too stoic on that, long and short of it is incremental improvements on your situation. I mean, you know, I think that's what we're all doing in terms of trying to get on top of prepping and having the, you know, just contingency plans and stuff stashed away in case the worst happens, because who knows if it's going to be six months time or three years or 30 years or 300 years that everything truly does go to shit but you know there's hard times i mean we've had all sorts of weird supply issues and certain scares and you know fuck knows what's what's going to be happening next month or next year in fact i mean hopefully 2022 will kind of break the cycle of uh years being interesting and we can go back to Nice, boring predictability, but who fucking knows? It might just get worse, so... Um, and we, we don't know the timescale on that, so, you know, keep on living your life amongst amongst all the, the chaos and the insanity of it. Um, absolutely don't stop living your life, you know. Um, let's find another one. Kind of kind of more relevant to, to prepping and shit. Everyone's a little bit... Uh, a little bit hive mind right now, but uh, I'm into it. Uh, good ways to ease around you. Oh, wait, I I can't fucking read. Good ways to ease others around you into agorism, and I only say agorism instead of agorism anymore because I I fucking bit the bullet and I embraced the fact that Conkin was a Canuck. So yeah. Anyway, um, good. So just going around chucking theory of people isn't going to change too many minds, and, uh, you know, the, the less, less autistic onks you will already know this, um, the best way is, you know, influence people kind of with examples, you know, lead by example is always, I think, the best way to show, you know, a, a good way of doing things, like, if you're living a sustainable lifestyle, and it's way fucking healthier than sitting under a a fluorescent light bulb at, at your office job hating life. If you're out there doing your own thing and you're self-sustaining and, you know, when the Walmart trucks don't arrive or, or don't show up full, you're not freaking out, you know, compared to your, your friends back home or whatever, that's gonna change a lot more minds than quoting obscure theorists and all that, you know? So, um, easing people into... Agorism specifically, uh, I, I talk a lot about, you know, side gigs and kind of bitch about, <laughs> I, I always do like a little bit of probing with uh, what people think of taxes and, and doing jobs under the table and just little little bits and pieces here and there and kind of 
anything to get them away from state interaction and uh and that kind of thing and you know like when you remove labels from things i think you get a much better discussion like so many people are like oh yeah you know i like talking about politics i fucking hate talking about politics i think it's the most boring goddamn thing in this on this earth so when you actually talk to people about ideas you get so much more done and you get such better answers than you know oh i'm this so you know here's my column of uh you know ideas and and, and principles even if they're even if you've just adapted yourself to accept certain principles and wed yourself into the the blue or red box, you know that's that's a fucking boring conversation. But when you actually talk about, oh, what do you think of this, you know, then no one's gonna be like, well, as a Republican or as a Democrat, it's like, no, 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 you person, in front of me, <laughs> tell me what you think about this. So that's generally how how I get into. There's been very few people who have been like, oh, well, you'd be interested in agorism, but so many people. Just naturally, because it's beneficial to them, they will duck things like, you know, unnecessary regulation or unnecessary, I mean, it's all unnecessary, but taxation that just fucks you for no reason. You're like, well, they already steal a shit ton from my paycheck and I don't know where it's going. So, you know what? The odd job here and there, they don't hear about it. (laughs) And when you start having those conversations with people, you... I think you get a much clearer picture of just how many people engage in that kind of thing. And when you can, you know, uh, kind of figure out a more reliable way of getting jobs like that or, or knowing people who are willing to work under the table or for, you know, even things like crypto now, that's becoming more common. Um, there's so many different ways to go about spreading these ideas without necessarily, you know, saying them by name. And some people will be interested in actually studying this stuff, this stuff, but, you know, know your audience, some people will not give a shit, rightfully so. <laughs> oh, uh, Mitch, if you're listening, you're gonna really fucking hate this next one. Um, can you let Illustration Nathan on the show? I really want to hear him read more from Uncle Ted's book. <laughs> um, I've actually been really fascinated by Kaczynski as of late after uh Pete Canonez and Aaron from Timeline Earth have been uh well they, they've, they've finished now they read his entire manifesto uh Ted Kaczynski the Unabomber they read his entire manifesto uh across multiple parts on Free Man Beyond the Wall Pete's podcast and uh I'd never you know read or heard the the thing the whole way through I'd, I'd read large extracts and stuff but never from from front to back, and uh, it was fascinating. I think I think he I, I do think he was flawed in his methods, um, and I think he he definitely had some I don't want to say mental health issues, but I think he had some. He he talks about how how people are over socialized and stuff, um, and I th- I think he's bang on the money with a lot of that, but I think he misjudged quite his own position you know I think his mental health was a little bit fucky and if he had a bit of a clearer picture he he might put his brain to slightly better use but anyway that's a whole thing um I think he had so much potential and I think he was pretty fucking spot on with his critiques of industrialized society 
as I sit here with my surrogate activity speaking into a mic for my fucking pod, my libertarian podcast. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I would love to get Nathan on the show. Uh, we could definitely make that happen. He's, the boys have been working their fucking asses off on, uh, the Art and War podcast. Um, we have a backlog until February of episodes they've recorded, and there's some killer guests amongst those. So, uh, actually, this Sunday you'll be able to hear Pat Watson on their show, and don't think he's just, you know, doing his his book tour kind of deal on the, the podcast circuit, and he's just going to be rehashing what he said on this show uh, just a few episodes back. I'm editing the episode right now, and it is fucking killer. I mean... Pat gets nice and drunk, so do the boys, and uh, Pat talks about a lot of stuff that he hasn't covered um, really on any other shows I've, I've heard him on, so a uh, really good time, especially if you want to you learn more about Pat's background, and then uh, obviously Seaburn, uh, Mitch, and Pat both have um, canine fortress, or fortress canine uh, dogs, service dogs, or working dogs, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, yeah, they, they talk about that at length and, uh, in, in really interesting, great details. So check that out on, uh, this Sunday, um, the Iron War podcast episode 20, fuck, 24, 25, something like that. But anyway, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to drag Nathan on here after he's had a little bit of a break from this massive surge of, uh, of shows they're recording right now. Um... I am jealous of how they're able to just stack shows up because I'm kind of I've kind of chained myself to the weekly news thing. I always want to be up to date, but hey ho! I I'd love to record shows in advance and kind of get a little bit ahead, but it just wouldn't really work for my format. So I fucked myself. But uh, yeah, no Kaczynski and and well, all of Uncle Ted's kind of uh, world are fascinating. I. I think there's lessons to be learned. I'm not quite sure 100% what they are yet, but I, I do think his thoughts can be for sure used for good and advancing our own kind of ideology and our, our own perspective on this society that we're trying to evolve. Um, how do you maintain hope and not get too black-billed? Uh, I think I've... I've I think I've kind of answered this before, so I'll give it kind of a quicker answer, but um, for the most part, it's uh, it's always having those end goals in sight, and I acknowledge, despite how rough these times are, and they are fucking rough, it's completely okay to say, these are some hard fucking times. I'm sure all of you have had a struggle of some description, I certainly have. You know, I've had jobs that have gone kaput on me during this for artificial reasons and, and, you know, all sorts of fucking stuff. I've got money issues just because of st- literally state involvement with my life. State fuckery. And when you were already an anarchist, that's infuriating. That's, and it, it can really fucking turn you nihilistic when you're like, oh, they're so powerful and look how much influence they have, blah, blah, blah. But, end of the day, having... Having a escape plan, I think, is what keeps me sane. That's what kept me sane in England, and that's what keeps me sane still kind of progressing towards it over here, because, you know, it, it's incremental things. I wasn't going to move from England to, you know, a rural paradise in, you know, the perfect state in the U.S., and 
and just be completely unfucked with by any government. It wasn't going to be like that. It was always going to be a series of incremental steps to always make myself more free, you know, one one day than I was the, the previous. I'm still about that, and I'm still pushing for that. And that's what keeps me sane, and what, what stops me from getting too, too pessimistic, too nihilistic. Well, I'm never really nihilistic, because I, I think nihilism's just fucking lazy. I don't like, yeah, I, I like get shit done people, and I realize when, I used to be a pessimist, I, I really did, and, uh, like, as a teenager and stuff, and, you know, as, as, as a kid, I, I was pessimistic as fuck, and then I was like, but I also like getting shit done, and when I realized how good getting shit done felt, and how kind of an optimistic, realistic outlook on life is more, you know, it's just more fucking useful for that kind of thing. I don't know, it, it kind of shifted my thing, even with the, you know, the biggest fight of my life, and, and many of yours, you know, this this fight for human liberty in, in our lifetimes, um, it's a big fucking deal, and it's, it's a lot, it can be crushing, it can be stressful, and, you know, it's, it's a lot to, to think about and consider, especially when people have fucking died just trying to, just trying to live their life and be free. Um, you know, for all, for all sorts of reasons, we we've seen people in our community and, and otherwise getting killed. But kind of, just just that momentum. You can't stagnate. You can't sit there and be all woe is me. That's to me. That's fucking laziness, and I I despise that. Anyone who who would be so selfish selfish as to just sit and wallow in it. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> we need you. Like if you've made it this far put some fucking effort in for, for not just yourself but you know everyone so uh yeah that's um kind of all i've got to say on that one thoughts on video gaming with the boys uh with the release of halo infinite i've been like hmm maybe it's time to maybe it's time to get back on the console if you're talking about uh thoughts on video gaming with the boys as in followers probably won't do that just I've seen a few a few people kind of put the gamer tag out there and you know I'm, I'm sure Dunsey were fucking cool but it just takes one weirdo to to kind of fuck that up and I already neglect the fuck out of my friends who I used to game with like all my mates back home and that kind of gaming was my only way to socialize for the longest time and I don't even have the time for that now so you know I'd, I'd love to maybe I will at some point do some gaming with some followers but for the time being, um, I just don't have the fucking time, but if that's not what you're asking, and you're like, you know, thoughts on video gaming with the boys in general, like, gaming, uh, I think it's a, a healthy release, it's some good escapism, as long as you, you know, I, I used to, I used to love grinding on games, like, achievement hunting, all that kind of thing, um, you know, unlocking various armor and shit, and Halo, or whatever it might be, all that stuff, and and then once I became an adult, this sounds really patronizing to people who still enjoy gaming and aren't as you know boring and utilitarian as I am. But if I'm spending three hours grinding away in a game, and I've got you know some landscaping I could be doing on the house, or some prepping I could be doing, or some writing I could be doing that could help other people, or, you know, anything like that, I'm like, 
why am I spending three to five hours grinding away to, like, you know, mine resources or, <laughs> you know, collect things that are not going to do me fucking anything? And, you know, that, that sounds sad, but, like, I have to treat gaming as basically, you know, a form of meditation or, like, self-care, basically, to allow myself to relax and just fucking play a video game for a few hours and just get away from from busting my ass <laughs> on something or stressing about something. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it, everything in moderation, right? You know, like, I fucking love whiskey, but if someone was pounding away, you know, half a ball every night, I'd be like, that's fucking sad, dude, you know? <laughs> and I love my weed. But if someone was smoking themselves to oblivion every single night and went to work high and that's just, you know, that's just their life. They're just fucked out of their mind all the time. I'd be like, that's fucking sad. And same thing with gaming. If, if that's, you know, personally going to hurt some feelings. If that's what you spend the majority of your time doing and you're an adult. And you're like, you know, why aren't things getting better for me? It's self-induced, you know. You got, you really got to take account of uh, of your time, time preference, and all that shit. Um, I don't know. I've got, I'll, I will have plenty of time. I'm gonna be so fucking butthurt when I can't climb a mountain anymore. That is the time, I will go fucking all in on gaming. In my retirement, I'm gonna be fucking out of this world <laughs> gaming I'm, and um, yeah, I will have time for that and whether it's you know if, if I'm in a cold place the winters where I have to stay inside uh, yeah of course I'll do more gaming then or uh, right now in the southwest the, the fucking summers when I'm stuck inside more I'll do some gaming then so you know I'm st I still enjoy video games for sure but my, my perspective has shifted significantly I wouldn't call myself a gamer anymore, which is sad, but it's also a progression, so it is what it is. Alright, we'll probably do one or two more. Top three nations you'd love to visit one day. Oof, that is a really fucking difficult one, because there's so much shit I want to do. But um, So nations, uh, there's, there's plenty of places on this planet I'd love to visit, but strictly nations. Um, China, for one. I've been to Hong Kong but not to, uh, not to mainland China, and I think they'll, it doesn't matter how fucking, you know, insane they get, I think they'll probably always be open to tourism, even Westerners, um, so I'm not too concerned about that, but, whew, man, what a fucking adventure rural China would be, I'd be so afraid of, because I'm cheeky, I, I like, you know, ducking behind fences and bollards and shit, and get into off-limit trails, like I was talking about with Egypt, uh, so I'd get myself fucking arrested, if I, I, I'd probably have to really wire myself to be on best behavior, and I'd also be afraid, because I'm, you know, a photographer, I'd, I'd take the picture of the wrong thing, or offend someone, uh, just get myself in fucking trouble, but, um, not the cities, fuck cities, that, that's, that's another thing, cities look the same, basically every, corner of this planet. Cities don't really interest me unless they have very, very unique culture and architecture. Uh, but 
I love seeing rural cultures because <laughs> I guess that's the Kaczynski in me, huh? Like, I, I like seeing... Because they're actually fucking different. They're not just this automated machine that we're seeing kind of slowly... This, this internationalist, you know, carbon copy were what socialists and communists and stuff would call capitalism. This kind of... Um, or, or what Kaczynski would call industrialized society. Or what ANCAPs would call... Um, crony capitalism, you know, crony, cronyism, whatever it is, just this amalgamation, amalgamation of corporate and state, um, that's what cities are all over this world, and, um, so rural, seeing rural cultures in beautiful environments that are, you know, alien to me, like, all the, uh, like, pillars and, and, uh, tiered rice paddies you see in rural China, I would love to see a lot of that, and I've, I'm sure there's a, a wise way for a Westerner to travel and see all that stuff, but that's a, that's a trip for when I have a bit more cash, because China's a long fucking way away, and I'd, I'd want to do it right, because I'd probably, you know, I'll probably only go to China, like, two times in my life from, from now, you know, <laughs> like, uh, so I want to, I want to do it right, if I, if I ever do make it, Christ knows, um, they might think I'm going looking for death camps or something. <laughs> oh, crazy. Um, two other places, fuck. <laughs> oh, another spot I really want to see is uh, Chernobyl in Ukraine. And uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it's a little bit overdone at this point. I, I initially had interest when you know, tours to it weren't that common, and then, uh, and then it kind of became a thing that every YouTuber and vlogger on Earth did, so, I don't know, it's, it still looks cool, I'm, I'm still very interested in all of that kind of Cold War history, I'd love to see it, um, <laughs> the last one, eh, I, I don't really want to go back to France, but the one thing I do want to see in France is the Paris catacombs. So, for those who don't know, there's, uh, beneath Paris, just tons of tunnels, like, proper, like, medieval ones and more modern ones and all, all sorts of stuff, and some of them have, uh, the bodies of plague victims stacked, like, high. <laughs> like, uh, proper crypts and just piles and piles of bones and skulls and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. And I would, I'd love to visit and, um, and see it in person. Very, very intrigued by all of that kind of forgotten urban, I don't, I don't know what quite you, urban exploration, I guess, is the best, the best term. In general, I love, I love riskier traveling and I love, I, I love more authentic experiences and I love, uh, kind of seeing abandoned places. Yeah, um, I think I'm gonna cut it right about there. Oh, someone, alright, we'll, we'll wrap on this one, actually. Uh, someone asked, um, can I come live on the commune in Wyoming? <laughs> uh, and then the little, uh, puppy dog eye face and two fingers pointing at each other. Um, <laughs> so, Two things. Uh, we don't know if, for sure if we're going to be going to Wyoming. It's just, it's one option out of many. 
that um, it's a popular option, you know, so not 100% set on that. As for can you come and live with us, yeah, I mean, so personally, and I, I think kind of the way our, our group is just personality-wise, I think we're going to be keeping a fairly tight circle of people. We're not trying to build, you know, a metropolis of, you know, like-minded people. We're, we're, we're just trying to build a, a small neighborhood, basically, you know. Uh, some Somewhere everyone knows their neighbors. But, you know, we'd love to have you down the road. <laughs> I think the future is... Uh, there's all sorts of intentional communities kind of crisscrossed out in the in rural areas and having a, a network of like-minded communities to uh, associate with and do business, trade, all that kind of thing, work together on stuff. Um, so depending on where we end up and depending on kind of our whatever our privacy needs end up being, because, you know, there's, there's going to be kids around. We don't want to necessarily be broadcasting exactly where we're going to set up and etc uh you know we'll we'll probably open up some kind of information on roughly where we are and uh get in contact with people who are serious about buying property out near where we are who are like-minded and all that kind of thing and um yeah well it's still early days for us we uh, you know we truthfully have no idea what we're doing we're just exploring and figuring things out so definitely not ready to say hey come and join us on the commune but uh empress and meme or mel she corrected me on calling it a commune way back when and taught me the term intentional community so uh i, I gotta stick to that now but just for funsies i i like calling it commune from time to time too fucking hell it's pissing it down outside never hear rainfall here in the southwest Swear I'm back in fucking England right now. Alright, um... But yeah, you know, I... I, I definitely would... I'd love to have uh, neighboring intentional communities of like-minded people, so... Uh, whatever our future looks like... In some form, I would love to have like-minded people nearby, so... Not necessarily on the same property. No, no hate, nothing personal, but... I think, um... Just for our our needs, we're probably going to keep it a little bit tighter. But, um, yeah. Feel free to be local. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you so much for all of your questions you guys have been submitting. They've been fucking killer last few episodes. Um, I mean, really, always. But I've just really really been enjoying them as of late they've they helped me kind of get out of the the humdrum of just doing the news on my own or whatever you know also we've been seeing a lot of uh instagram censorship so uh i mean we had Garantham banned and uh lucas bodkin of t-rex arms also just got banned as of late and we've been seeing it with uh a little bit of the liberty community too so uh, I don't have a backup on Instagram at the minute, but you can always find me at the Anarch. So that's Anarchist without the IST at the end, the Anarch dot uh, com, And that will always be somewhere you can find me and get up to date information on what's happening with you know, me and my general social media presence or whatever you want to call it. If anything should happen to me, I will be putting out information 
on there. So you can subscribe to that, even if I, I we put out articles on there, myself and other contributors, that'll also be kind of the, the rallying point if things get fucky on Instagram or Twitter or wherever else. So, um, yeah. Make sure there'll be a link. There's always a link in the description if you want to check that out and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, more articles are coming soon. Uh, myself and Smokey are both writing some stuff right now. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you next week.